My name is Katie Lee. My name is Malachi. And, and this, this is Connectional. Connectional is a podcast of the Minnesota Annual Conference, the United Methodist Church. The United Methodist Church uses the word connectionalism and calls it a vital web of interactive relationships. You can find us on Facebook and wherever else you find your podcast. Okay, let's start the show. That's it's okay. You, you're not a manuscript preacher, all right? You're not a manuscript well, no, preacher? Well, no, I, I am, but I but I, I kind of get off the books. I, and I wander a little bit, and I get back to it. So. Sometimes from the Spirit. You know. nice. The Spirit, Holy Ghost leads you, yes. I would love to have you introduce yourself as to who you are. Ooh. Well, my name is Nancy Ellis, and who else do you need to know? For our work? Where, yeah. yeah. Who, what, where, when, why? What are you doing here? Okay. <laughs> That's a good question. I am, uh, I'm at Faith United Methodist Church in St. Anthony, and I am the um, Minister of Faith Formation and Outreach. Outreach. I enjoy your motion. She's doing like a grab and go, like, <laughs> like reaching the shopping cart. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we are at Faith uh, right now, and I was telling Malachi that uh, I grew up in the church, or, and, and so right, actually in this room, I think, because mm-hmm. this room and next door used to be the nursery. I heard about that. And so I, I remember... there were little cribs in this room. Too. Yes, mm-hmm. and I have strong memories of playing lots of, like, freeze tag in wow. here. And then also, we had, there was a baby lamb a that they brought lamb. at Easter, so I'm feeling all the like invoking the sense of my oh. of my former self and baby lambs and just That's feeling wonderful. really so good. And your so your office, spirit. yeah, is very comfy. Okay. Memories. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been here? Uh, since the let's see, thirty no, the first of July. Oh, just July this year. Was brand this is the new. new appointment, yeah. New appointment, wow. yeah. That's brand new. Exciting. And uh, and how have you met Malachi? Where did because I didn't really meet you before. I met, oh, we, we kind of um, Facebook um, yeah, messaging. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I tried to, I've been trying to message him for a while, but finally answered. So <laughs> it took a while. I answered when I met her in person at like annual <laughs> conference because I didn't know who she was. I was like, who is this woman that keeps trying <laughs> to get hold of me? No, I, yeah. And I, and I appreciate that, though. You just wanted to be sure. Yeah. Was a no. Nancy's good people, though. Hacker or nothing like that. I believe it. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Yeah. Malachi's got Thank good you. taste in people. Thank you. Cool. So where did you um, where did you grow up? Like, where are you from? Oh, I'm from a bunch of places. Um, I grew up, I actually was born in Dallas, Texas. Okay. And um, south. moved, yeah, we lived in the South, the Jim Crow era. Uh, and it was so bad down there that my dad packed up all eight of us with mama. We got on the Rock Island line. I remember the smell of fried chicken and bananas for miles. But we came to Minnesota on the train. Wow. And um, that was in the 50s. Oh and then um, my mother hated it, hated Minnesota because it was just too cold. And we went back to Texas and then it came back in 63. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, it was, um, I remember the cold, being lost, kindergarten, you know, out in the, out in the cold and getting frostbitten and everything. But, um, oh, no. We got used to it up here, but I, I grew up mostly in North Minneapolis. Okay. 
Yeah, right in the neighborhood where you pastor. Mm-hmm. That was my neighborhood. Malachi's. Yep, right foot. in that neighborhood. Yeah. Yep, that's okay. where it all began. Well, let me ask you, Nancy. Um, why are you United Methodist? A good question. Because it didn't start out that way. Um, I hear that my mother was a Methodist, and she grew up Methodist. But then we, she became a Baptist in the 60s. So she left her roots uh, in Methodism. But my brother was the one that came back to Methodism. And when he came back, she followed. Mm-hmm. So um, my brother Rufus, he came back to the Methodist Church, I think, in the 80s. He used to be a district superintendent here, oh, wow. here at the, the Methodist Church. But uh, he came back, and then we all kind of just, little by little, my big sister came back. And then I joined the Methodist Church. It's been about six, five, six years. Why did he come back? The thing Why that, that drew back? me about Methodism was um, I always had questions about race and about dismantling racism. And uh, I couldn't find that anywhere else. But I was drawn to the fact that Methodists wanted to do something about injustice and inequalities and I thought man I gotta I want to be there that's where I want to be beautiful that's what I would hope that's what that's what I would hope would be the reputation yeah (laughs) it doesn't always feel like that but that's amazing I love that big draw it really was yeah so where did you first work as in ministry well my my husband was a pastor we're no longer married we were together for 23 years and so I married him when I was 21. And oh so we started goodness. ministry like 40-something years ago together. Wow. So um, I was the pastor's wife, and wherever he went, I went. And I led the worship, his, uh, you know, to the nursery. I fed everybody. <laughs> we always had small churches, church plants, that type of thing. Okay. So I was his support person. And it was during an era where um, women weren't allowed to preach or weren't, you know, especially in the South. Um, we went, he went to uh, Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. Mm-hmm. And we moved there in 78. So at that time, I think there were two African-American females in seminary at that time out of a population of like 4,000 people. Oh my gosh. So... Wasn't that something that you did as a woman? So, um, so I was his support person, and I made him look good. That was the role of the woman. Interesting. Yeah. Was that like formally written out in a contract? That, no, that, <laughs> that was like in a, the marriage the unwritten rule. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, you just make that man look good. <laughs> <laughs> you iron his collar. You, I mean, you critique his sermons, you do all of that stuff, and even sit on the front row when he's preaching, and if he's going too long, you give him the signal. It's <laughs> okay. So really, though, we, I mean, you know. Like the producer. Absolutely. You was running things already, huh? Yeah, I was running things already. Didn't know it was going to be this way. But uh, it took a long time to accept the call to ministry. Because, you know, after being told for so long, this is not what women do. And you're being disobedient to God if you preach. 
That's your role is to be that help me take care of that dude, make sure he's fed, um, make sure the kids are fed, make sure the hot meal on the table, (laughs) you know, iron the clothes. That was it. That was that was my ministry. Look at you shaking your head. Right? Just like, <laughs> it's hard to believe, right? It's a, it's a different world. It's a definitely a different world. And I mean, it got to the point where like when the men would come over, the preachers, we had to take them their plates and we fed them. And we couldn't stay in the same room with them while they were eating. We were in the kitchen. And so whenever they wanted something to eat, they would motion or say something. And then we'd... What? <laughs> you couldn't even eat with them? No. What was wrong with eating with them? Well, it was not a, a wife. It was like that stratification, you know, you're the men are up here and you're down there. Mm-hmm. So it's not something you do. You don't. And then if you want to be that Proverbs 31 woman, mm. that, you know, that was the woman that was in the kitchen that was cooking. She wasn't the one that was in men's business. She was doing her own thing, you know? Yeah. So that's, and, and a lot of women aspired in the South. It's cultural. Yeah. To Especially be that obedient wife and to do what you're supposed to do. And um, so that the men could be great when the men are in the living room the women go to another room there you go <laughs> you know you are see you that. familiar with this film mm-hmm. <laughs> yes it's a cultural <laughs> thing a cultural it is wow. it really is yeah interesting but then I started I mean after a while it's like you know people used to say but what if you're a woman if you're a woman and you're talented and you can preach because I remember my husband got sick once and um, I had to preach. You had to. You had to preach. Yes, <laughs> because he was sick. He got sick. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And so the people in the church said, "Oh my God, she can preach." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Girls got a voice. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah, I had to give some guys. That was like that was like the beginning of it. Yeah, we're coming out. <laughs> right, it's coming out of the. Did you feel that yeah. stir? Were you like? Were you really excited? I mean, did you I, feel I was, something? But, you know, but still, the tra- tradition, too, is to push the woman down again. Mm. This is not your place. You want some water? No, I'm fine. You okay? Yeah, I think I'm just, like, a little stuffy. Okay. I'm trying not to breathe so hard that they can hear it okay. in the microphone. You can breathe. You can still breathe. <laughs> if you need something. Like knowing you're, al- you're present and alive. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they think I'm dying. <laughs> Says I'm not done with you. Hmm. 
other. No. <laughs> so then that's when I go to I went to United and went through the, the MDiv program. So during that time that's when I accepted the call. And I'm talking about I'm I'm a walker. I would been I'd be out for hours and hours talking to God saying, What do you want from me? <laughs> you know? And finally it it took other people like I can't name names. Yeah. Olika Galloway. I don't know if you met her yet. I don't think so. North Minneapolis. The church is, it used to be called Kwanzaa, but I took, oh, a, I love the I took a class from Alika, and, and she's kind of got that prophetic gift where she could look at you and tell you what you're supposed to be doing with yourself, right? She looked at me and she said one day, she says, you're a preacher. And I said, no. And then I would go to the post office, and, and seriously, there's this man behind the counter at the post office in North Minneapolis. He would look at me all the time and he'd say, hey, pastor. So I went through like maybe two years of people saying, hey, pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then I thought, okay, is this this for real? Is God speaking to these people? And that it happened for for about two years of that. So, yeah. But it was to me to accept the call was like stepping over a big chasm because I knew that I was going to lose some friends too because of it. Because we actually came from a conservative Baptist background in Texas. And so women do not preach. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to have friends say, are you sure? This is not God calling you. This is the devil. You know, something like that. <laughs> okay. No, really. Yeah. Well, let me ask you because you talk a lot about like uh, how you how you found your call, but why is faith meaningful to you? Oh my goodness, it's it's foundational. You can't do anything in in the Christian life without faith. One of my favorite uh, scriptures is from um, is uh, without faith it is impossible to please God because uh, he or she who comes to God must believe that God is and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I believe it's 11 or 7 or something. But oh my goodness. I mean, that that has been one of my themes throughout my life is faith. And I even sometimes, when I was younger, it was deeper where I believed God like crazy faith. I would believe for just crazy stuff. But as you get older and you lose in life and things fall apart, you kind of let go of that faith, you know. So in my older life, I'm trying to grasp onto that crazy faith and believing for the impossible Hmm. like I used to. Hmm. Amen. That's a sermon right there. Yeah. Yeah. I also kind of wish we had you on video because you're so good at fit hand motion. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) You're a good hand tucker. No, don't stop. I love it. If we turn this into a video podcast one day, we're going to have to come back. and Yeah, vlog. Vlog it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me to preach in here, okay? (laughs) So do uh, do you have any role models, people you look up to, either personal or professional? I would say my mother. She passed away last year um the 26th of november mm. but my mother had eight children and of all eight of us she dealt with each of us individually mm. you know it wasn't like the one shoe fits all one size fits all yeah i've never seen anybody 
she's kind of like a shapeshifter. You know, that's why I had how I describe her is that she had the ability, even though we were all different, because we were different, she had to. She was able to relate to everybody on that level, and she ministered to us. Um, she prayed. Oh my gosh, and we saw that every night. How she read, she would read her Bible and she prayed, and so she set in motion that foundation. You know, taking us to Sunday school when we were kids. Um, and then modeling um, how a Christian family should be a Christian. You know, she was hmm. amazing. Hmm. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. yeah. What is it that, uh, what have you, what's one of the habits and something that she did that you find yourself, do you ever find yourself she, thinking, I am my mother, she, I'm my mother's yeah. daughter? She was a walker. The walker? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. She was a walker, and every day after she got off from work, she would put on her um, her casual stuff, and she would get walking. And I think that was how she let go of stress, and mm-hmm. she also prayed. So I started, like, 27 years ago, walking and praying. Amazing. Yeah. Now, Nancy, you are a wonderful singer. Oh. Uh Come on, you know it's the truth. I've heard. Uh, Ready, perform. Now. Uh, uh, so, do you have a favorite worship song or hymn? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. No worries, no worries. There's so many of them. <laughs> it's just a good soundtrack in the back. I don't know. The, the, the one song that I like that's really uh, Oceans. That's what really? The Hillsong favorite. song? Yes. I love that song too. I love, I love that, that song. song. I just love it. I sing it at build. my mother's funeral. Aww. I love that song. It just does something for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm wondering is is there a hymn or a song that's common maybe in our hymnal that you just are just totally over it? You'd like to rip it out of the hymnal or be done with it? <laughs> you wish the churches would oh she's reaching no. for it. Oh, oh! What something that makes me white as snow? <laughs> white as snow, white as snow. Oh uh, no! Though my sins are as scarlet, they are. No, that's one song. It's a, but there's a one song that talks about making you whiter than snow. That mm. that's that's got to go. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I don't want to be that. <laughs> I like this chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have a couple other random uh, questions about some favorites, not favorites. One is, um, what's your favorite thing and your least favorite thing about living in Minnesota? Favorite thing, starting with the favorite. Uh, well, you can start okay. whatever way you okay. want. Okay, with it's, it's you have outdoors. Minnesota favorite has the most not? amazing mm. park system in the country that I've ever seen, and I've lived in some places. I like the fact that. Minneapolis, Minnesota puts a lot of money into the parks, and not every state does. Mm. And no. Texas, <laughs> man, I mean, I, I say this, I'm from Texas, but it's scary to go to the parks because there's oh. bugs and there's mm. tarantulas things and there's snakes you. and things that you can eat and red ants and things. I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, but um, 
and then they don't take care of the landscape. They don't mow and they don't do that. But I appreciate um, the beauty and the fact that people know the um, the value of being outdoors and what it does for mental health. Mm-hmm. And that's a, I'm a big proponent of being outdoors. And I wish more people of color did that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was talking to um, Isaiah Friesen the other day about that. Oh, yeah. We were talking about how the relationship that people of color have with the land and Native people have with the land and thinking, is that the reason why being outdoors is not a big deal for some people? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Had you thought about that? No. No? I don't know. I have my own thoughts about like, you do? our folks and our connection to the land and why we might not be so active outside. Why is that? It's kind of painful um, to see something that you have worked for and rightfully should own but will never have access to. They're, okay, that's what yeah. we're talking about. Right, yeah. because you know in a lot of non-white neighborhoods, there aren't a lot of parks. Yeah. Minneapolis is unique because there's a park every eight blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But it's not like that in most of the places. Yeah. Not a lot that's of parks right. where I grew up. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what I was thinking, you know, why would you want to invest or be in a land or even enjoy the land if you can't even invest in it and own your own piece? Mm-hmm. So, and then, and, you know, we had talked about, too, with the Native American people, uh, the spilling of blood on the land and maybe what, why would I want to be a part of that mm-hmm. where there's wow. a trauma associated with land? I don't know. Trauma's tricky. Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I love the land, though. I love being outside. I, One day, I just, I had this, I would love to have a house that had, like, a big opening where it could rain inside. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say, like, a sun. Yeah, like a sun. <laughs> you want to just straight up rain yeah. inside. Where I love that. Rain on the inside. Where I, I could, like, have, like, a, a plastic room or something. <laughs> Where the, it could actually rain and snow on the inside. <laughs> on oh me. my goodness. It's serious. Wow. That is like the opposite of 90% of Minnesotans. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, how can we keep the elements out forever? I don't even think I like the snow enough to want it in my house. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, do, I sleep with my windows open all year round. Me too, but the snow um, is still on the outside. snowing in my room at, in the wintertime. Oh. I like that. Blowing snow in my room. Oh my goodness! Of course, you have a thousand blankets, and the snow is just all over. Oh man, what are what are southerners coming up here and just loving the winter? Yeah, (laughs) that leads like right into my next question. What is your happy place? Oh, there we go, Cam. Happy places outside. Mm-hmm. I, I go to Lake Pepin. That's one of my favorite spots. And see, my father took us to, and when we were back in the day, where there were very few people of color in Minnesota. My dad was adventurous. He would take us places where black folk don't go. Mm. <laughs> he would do it all the time. Mm. We, we were in Duluth, we were in small towns, but Pepin was the place and Stillwater. And those are the places where we would go and you know, we didn't have enough money to afford like a you know, didn't have bed and breakfast back then, but We'd be all in the station wagon, all nine, eight, eight of us, mom and dad, ten, and pack a picnic lunch, go down there and just chill by the water. And, mm. But just beautiful. Have, have you been there? I now, haven't. No. Oh, you got to go. <laughs> but that's the place to go um, if I'm going to do something that's really heavy. 
Hmm. Um, emotionally, um, um, you know, we I lost like two brothers in the last couple hmm. of years, and then my dad and my mom are both gone. But if I want to go and just reflect and talk to them, that's where I go. Wow. So, so that connects to the next question as well. What's the holiest, the most sacred place you've ever been? South Africa. To me, Ooh. South Africa was, it felt like that. Tell us about that. Well, um, it was, it's been 10 years, but I went with um, Bethel, some students from Bethel Ooh. and some uh, faculty there. And we went to kind of trace the footsteps of Nelson Mandela. Ooh. And to go through the apartheid museum, um, just as and the and the, the truth and reconciliation, we talked to people that were part of that, and it was amazing. And I've always heard people say that when you step out of that plane and you get on the ground in Africa, that you kiss the ground, and that's I didn't do that literally, but I took the dirt and I brought some home. Hmm. But um, it was so nice to be in a place where you didn't have to worry about how you looked. Hmm. I wore my hair. I had the biggest afro I could muster. <laughs> I had that afro sitting out there. <laughs> and it felt so good hmm. that nobody stared at me. Hmm. And, and I kind of blended in with everybody else. And it, it felt like home. Hmm. It felt like home. Hmm. And even at night... While I was sleeping, I could hear drums, almost like, but there weren't any drums as far as I know, playing. Oh. But it felt that there was a rhythm in South Africa that my spirit connected with. Home is always home. It's home. Yeah. You're so poetic. Thank you. That's really, that's really beautiful. Oh, you're you. a good. You're great person to have be our first interview you just set the bar pretty high yeah I know. <laughs> everyone else will be like what's your favorite color <laughs> oh man i have another question okay. uh it's kind of generic but i like it where do you see god oh again i'm the outdoor person i um when i go outside um, right now I'm walking at the Coon Rapids Dam over there, and God speaks to me through the animals, and oh. I'm an eagle watcher, and it's amazing whenever I need an answer from God or I need to connect with God, and it's really something really heavy, an eagle always shows up. And it, I'm telling you, it happens all the time. Even every time before, like, I'm going to the district office, like, for a meeting with the DS. The last couple times, the eagle would show up. It would fly over my car, or it would circle, or something like that. Aww. So it's got, I think it's God's way of showing me, oh, I got this, I'm here. So it's something about animals. And um, I see God um, in people. Uh, I see God moving through people. Um, one of my gifts, I guess, is to be able to help people to recognize that they are valuable as a therapist. Because I see a lot of people that think, you know, there's nothing that I know God can't use me or I'm like throwaway goods. And so working with people, letting them know that 
you're valuable. God created you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're creating God's, God's mm-hmm. image and likeness, you know, and there's hope. Yeah. Just kind of trying to stir a fire in people, you know, mm-hmm. that there is hope in. Yeah. We, uh, there's a question that we like that's related to that. And I just wonder if that would mm-hmm. be your answer, which is if you, if you could only preach one sermon forever, like what would be the, the punchline is that is that sort of it like you are valuable or is that part of it too is is that and I don't know people have always told me that joy is the like a theme and I mean I'm not the best person I have my days you know I have my days where I'm like I know but God has showed me how to come out of stuff because I've been through so much that, I mean, there's a way to come out of stuff. And emotionally, God shows me ways of, of, of recovering, you know? Mm. And that joy, I even wrote a little book about it. You did. And it's called Unspeakable Joy. And in this little booklet, it has all of the ways that you can attain joy or get joy mm. in a moment. Hmm. When, because I know what happens, like emotionally, when you go through something, and immediately the brain just either goes into fight or flight, or it kicks into negative mode. But God is showing me there's certain things you could do, even as something as simple as smelling a flower or something, or you know, there's a, a, a lot of ways. So part of my my call, I believe, is to help to bring those tools to people, hmm. and then laughter. Hmm. Um, I just came through cancer and I I was diagnosed like a year, two months ago. And I've always heard people say the way to get through it is through laughter. Hmm. So guess who I was listening to? Who's that? Ricky Smiley. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was going to be somebody churchy. I had never heard of Ricky Smiley before. But I was just, I went online and I said, okay, God, show me some funny people. That's a great phrase. God, show me some funny people. And Bernice Jenkins. Bernice Jenkins. Oh. Little Daryl. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh. He used to make like the little comedy CDs with like the prank phone calls. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And my dad used to buy. Yes, I listened to prank phone calls yeah. for hours. Wait, what's so mm-hmm. tell, tell, tell me about a prank phone call. There's this one phone call. I want to hear about it. I want to hear about it. The one that the funniest one is is uh, Bernie's Jenkins. <laughs> she sends her granddaughter to go to the chicken place to get some wings. <laughs> have you heard that one? I have. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Ashley goes to get the wings. Oh, no. no they, they brought the wings, but it didn't have enough meat on the bones. <laughs> so she sends her back to tell her to get some more. But they didn't have enough money. But she was hoping they would give her some. She she said, they ate all of the meat off the bone, but they took one bone, one that wasn't eaten, to, let, to see how much meat there wasn't on I'm gonna have to like we gotta like, yeah. look that up on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, you like, gotta hear it. it. Yeah. And the way she talks is so funny. <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> 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 
yeah. Once we, we once we someday have an Instagram and Facebook, then we'll add this to the link. <laughs> so you watch it. Our people know how to laugh. And she and she mm. would say, she said, I told her not to leave, not to eat all that chicken. <laughs> and I said that was one, and I just said leave it, <laughs> just leave it, <laughs> just leave it. So in this in the realm of comedy, what's one of the like silliest, craziest, most ridiculous ministry moments you've ever had? That's a good one. <laughs> uh, I have to think about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I don't know. I've heard of I've heard of other people's mm-hmm. about a friend that um he said that he uh is it is okay if I tell his oh, name? Yeah. I won't tell him. Go for but it. But he um he's a singer too. But he said he had um, gone up to the microphone to sing, but they had somebody had spilled some oil some on the floor, and so as he was going up to sing in the pulpit, he slipped and fell <gasps> in the oil. Oh no! <laughs> in like the anointing oil. Yeah, anointing oil. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said he went up, he went to sing and came down and slipped in the same spot <laughs> back to his seat. <laughs> Oil's only invisible. Did clean it? Yeah. <laughs> he slipped in the same spot oh, no. and went back to his seat. So. There's a there's a good sermon for you. <laughs> in the same spot. <laughs> well, Nancy, it looks like we hit 30 minutes. But, ah, we, oh but we did talk for like three minutes before, so I'm going to okay. use that as an okay. excuse okay. to ask you one more question. Okay. Uh, because I know that you work, you know, your secular job is as a therapist. Mm-hmm. Right. So tell me about some of the ways that your job as a therapist um, in your faith or maybe your role as pastor might intersect. Well, I thank God for um, the fact that I did go to school to become a therapist because what it did, um, it helped me to uh, work on my own, a lot of my own stuff so that now when I'm doing ministry, a lot of stuff as doesn't surface like a lot mm. as much doesn't surface right because mm-hmm. I uh, we spent hours and hours in focus and not focus groups and in groups um, you know working on our personal issues um, but then also it's good it helps me to be more gracious to people because when they people tell me that they have mental illness I kind of understand I can't say I totally understand but I get what they're going through better because I understand the diagnoses and different things that come along with mental illness and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't ask me about my singing, though. No, but tell you us about it. You don't have to. No, go ahead. Okay. So, I know I have, if you want to. You know, I always had, okay, I love having, I love the fact that I have this 20-year-old at home. Because mm-hmm. I had, the last one I had when I was 42, my child. But he kind of keeps me current on things. So, um, is he the one at the basketball? Daniel, yes, talented, very talented. He's very talented. Mm. He's very talented. But um, I, I've always had. I've wanted to have what my me and my daughter call a funky church, <laughs> <laughs> where it's like a R and B church. Oh, I love that. And so, what I did was, I, I mean, I've been singing since I was a little girl. I've mm-hmm. been singing. I was started singing in clubs when I was fourteen. Wow. And they used to, um, people used to rush me in there, and I'd sing because I was 14, and they rushed me in there. <laughs> <laughs> But 
then I got, became a Christian. I, mean, I, I gave my life to the Lord in 21. And then I stopped doing all of that. Right. So God is saying, bring it back. So I did. So like two years ago, I started singing with the R&B band. And it's Ooh. interesting because before it, I go on stage, they call me, they still call me Red or they call me Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> and people come up to me after the gig is over and say, I heard you preacher, you will pray for me, you know. So I see how the power of God is wherever you go. Amen. And I mean the last yes. the last couple of gigs Put we that did. On the t-shirt. At, yeah. yeah the, the, the last couple of gigs we did at the, the tea house, it was packed. And so I did R and B and at the very end somebody says can you do a gospel song? Yay. So the piano player, he happens to have a hymnal with them, so he pulls it out. And so it turns from a R&B jam play thing <laughs> to the gospel and then prayer at the end. Oh, <laughs> that that's, was your funky church. That's my funky church. Uh, so that's where I, I love to be in those places where unchurched people are. Where they don't they don't go to church, but they appreciate church yes. people. So that's where I want to be. That's where I want. Oh. I'm just feeling so healed just by talking to you right Aww. now, Pastor Nancy. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. It mm-hmm. is. It's been fantastic. This has been you fantastic. Offered up so much wisdom and depth for us. Thank you very much. Thank this is you. my church for the week now. All right. Thank you. <laughs> we didn't give an offering yet, though. <laughs> <laughs> The take them off. Yeah. <laughs> Malachi's got a lot of dinosaur snacks in his oh. bag. You could just take her the rice crispy. That's like your his tithe no, for the week. Yeah. yeah. That's just an old joke though. Old preachers. <laughs> oh, well, thanks so much for using your the sure. end of your evening with us. Sure. We'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Yay!